Welcome to Episode 7 of Traditional Bowhunter Magazine's Campfire Chat Podcast. TJ and friends were back in Alaska this past June fishing with Homer Ocean Charters. As usual, the talk turned to past and future bowhunting adventures. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the campfire. Hi, this is TJ Conrads with Traditional Bowhunter Magazine. We're back here on the Outer Limits up in Alaska, and with me is Kevin Barr, Brian Burkhart, Dale Karch, and Jim Eckhout. And uh, we, we've been up here fishing for the last four days. First of all, let's just talk a little about the fishing. Tell me, guys, I mean, how was the fishing this week? I know we still have four more halibut to mate our maximum <laughs> limit, and we're going to get there. Uh, we didn't have any king fishing, no king salmon this time, but we caught some silvers, and we caught a lot of pink. Couple sockeyes and some sockeyes, and we're giving the hell about a break just to make it easy on them. <laughs> the fishing's been phenomenal. The weather, well, the weather is yeah. incredible. The weather's been year. incredible. This chamber of commerce weather around here this week 70s, sunny, a little bit of wind yesterday and last night. But Captain Rourke Brown, he knows where to take us to catch <laughs> the fish. Then tonight we went out and did a uh, a shore you know walking tour and had a lot of fun doing that. And you guys picked up a bunch of mussels oh, yeah. that we ate here, and then we went and had a bonfire and uh, blue mussels. It was a wonderful evening. Excellent. It's great, great by the fire. Started a bonfire up on the beach there and sat around there, talked about old times and friends. And what a way to end the day! Before you know it, it's ten o'clock at night, and the still light out. Still light outside. Welcome to Alaska in the <laughs> summer, right? I love it. Yep. <laughs> and fishing. If you've never been up here, this is this is it. You yeah. can come here for five days and have enough fish to feed you and your family for a year. And what I like is you're you know you're jigging. <clears throat> you're basically trolling for salmon. You're uh, catching halibut. So it's the variety is pretty special. And don't forget the rockfish. Yeah, we mixed, really mixed nailed the rockfish. Like ginormous bluegills. And probably the yeah. finest eating uh, fish is the rockfish. And that's, that's speaking of eating, we also eat like kings. I, think, <laughs> I mean, the food is phenomenal. Excellent. Yeah, Living off the land and the yes. sea. Yes, this is uh, something we've been blessed that uh, Rourke's invited us for many years. I mean, he's asked me to come up here for, I don't know, probably 15 years. We, I first, I think we first hung with him. 25, 30 years, I have no idea when. I think 95, 96, something like that, whatever it was. But it's been nice that he invited us. And finally, we did. We came, and now it's an annual event. It's his vacation, which is nice because we can help steer the boat. and He can run around. He goes fishing, and we just have a wonderful time. Although I cost him money when I come. Yeah, yeah. That's not so, everybody that can throw a fishing pole over the side. So throws an awful especially a three hundred dollar fishing pole. So. An awful strong word. I thought it was one hundred and fifty. Uh, well, there's there's tax on that. I'm afraid. <laughs> well, great. So we're up here, but uh, the main thing I wanted to do is that to rehash from our last last year, we did a couple podcasts up here. Um, what I'd like to do is like to have each of you tell me what was your hunting like this last year your bow hunting obviously and for this last season and tell me you know what did you do since we were here last year what did you do this last fall and for bow hunting i went to northeastern oregon and hunted with jim akinson and mark penninger and ron lang all pbs guys except for mark i don't think but uh <laughs> we got into some elk nobody got any shooting still a great time packing in with mules setting up camp just enjoying time in the mountains. And then our deer season at home in Illinois was a little unorthodox for me in that I didn't shoot a deer for the first time in many years. But fortunately, 
February, I shot a couple javelinas, had some hog in the freezer from last year from Texas and this coming year. Or the same, I hope. I don't have any definite plans except for javelina hunting. And I know how to prepare them, so they're not disgusting to eat when I fix them. No, they're actually very good. People just don't understand how to take care of them. Fortunately, I usually have about a half a freezer full of halibut after this deal. So <laughs> <There's>, That's <laughs> not a problem. It's no one's a, complaining about it's that. It's not a bad thing. <laughs> Brian? I uh, actually I went on my annual moose hunt you know, with Monty in Alaska. And... Um, yeah, and with Monty Browning, and the first day I was up there, I saw two big bulls sparring, get, getting ready to spar. And this one was all broomed off, and the other one had phenomenal points. And so I made my way down there, crossed the river, and got in range, and I had the broomed off bull. He was over, definitely over 50 inches at 15 yards, and... I wanted the other bull, though, with all the points. And probably the bull with all the points was a younger bull, but he just had a ton of character. And the broomed-off bull just kept pushing that one further and further away. And that was day one. And then what was really neat about last year's hunt was Monty shot a bull of a lifetime. And it was pretty special because it was his last year up there uh, moose hunting in Alaska. So... It was just neat to be up there and experience that, and uh, and then you know transition into whitetail hunting, and I was fortunate in the very late season to shoot a uh, pretty nice buck, and so oh, that uh, was a good deal. Yeah, so I I had a good year. Yeah, that was so that was your year. <laughs> okay, great deal. Dale, tell me about what you did this past season. Well, last year after 21 years of applying for Utah elk tag, I finally drew one. And ended up in the LaSalle Mountains of uh, Utah and got hooked up with a really good outfitter. He understood my limitations for traditional archery. You know, I'm still shooting a DOS recurve and and my woodsman broadheads and traditional-only shafts. But uh, this guy was fun. He was really a, a, a good guide. He grew up in this area with his dad guiding, and he knew every nook and cranny. And we're into elk every day. We're hunting public land. Around, Mo- around Moab? Yes. Yeah, just a little bit south of Moab. Beautiful country. Mm. And he, we got fortunate enough with uh, one of the bulls to uh, cooperate. And I managed to shoot a 6 by 6 on, I believe it was the 5th or 6th day of a 10-day hunt. And that, coincidentally, was the second bull elk I've taken. It took me 30 years. The first one I killed was 30 years ago, and I've been on a dozen or better elk hunts. With no success, and it and it just happened that I got a beautiful bull. Did you call that bull in? He called him in, and we busted up his cows, and then there were cows around us, and he was trying to round them up, and he just happened to walk past. Oh, that's cool. Within bull range for that's me. That's really neat. So the better part is, I drove back to Indiana, and two days later, turned around and drove back to Colorado with Denny Sturgis, because we had an elk hunt planned, and these were over the counter tags, and I ended up shooting a seven by eight. In Colorado, so that's a big bull. And I am not by any means a trophy hunter. I'm out there having fun, and I will shoot the first thing that walks by. And when I got back to camp, Denny was sitting there with a big smile on his face, and he goes, "Well," and I told him, I said, 
Boy, I'm sure glad I missed that cow two days ago. <laughs> so that was that was a huge bull, just really, really a nice bull, and and they're impressive animals. And the, the outfitter did all the work. I mean, we climbed up there, but he called them in, and I did make a really nice, good hit on them. And luckily for me, he didn't go far, and we found them right away. So good, good time. Uh, actually, two elk, gonna, one season. Two elk, yep. One was just under 300 inch, and the other guy was three and a quarter. That's a good year. Yeah. Did you hunt your farm this past year? Yeah, I, I, I've been out there. I did shoot a buck. Um, I let a couple of the guys from work hunt it because uh, they just don't have places to hunt, and there's right. and I wasn't there very often, so they shot a bunch of deer off of there, but mostly does. I needed a half dozen or so taken off, so and I got a good eight point. And this fall, I'm looking forward to, believe it or not, going back for out to Colorado with Denny again. So, <laughs> so that'll be fun. And, you know, you throw in this fishing trip, and it's just, you know, life is good. I have no complaints. Life is good. Blessed beyond measure. So, Jim, how was your fall last year? It was good. Good. I hunted around the house. Um, ended up uh, taking a couple nice white tails by the house. Also fall turkey. Excellent. So, yeah, so I ended up filling all my tags by the house. I had really good bow season. And then uh, this spring, I took a really nice turkey with my bow as well. Yeah, it's been good. Nothing else? That was enough? <laughs> yeah, that was it. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> it was enough. Uh, how about you? Well, did you um, call a bull in for anybody we know? Well, yes, actually I did. <laughs> it was a, I had a strange situation that uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Virgil Voss, is a boyer in Paris. And I spent a lot of time in France, as you well know. I try and go back every year. And uh, he makes... Fabulous bows. He's also an outstanding leathersmith. His dad is probably one of the top leathersmiths in all of Paris. In fact, his father has built saddles and gun scabbers for Hollywood people. He built them for John Wayne and all these other people that they use in movies. He's absolutely stunning, and Virgil's learned all that. But he said that, actually, he called me. He says, I have this deal worked out that he, I says, I'm going to be interviewed by this journalist in Paris. And they're doing it on four Parisian artisans, and I'm one of them. But I've kind of talked them into coming back to Idaho and interviewing you, too, after we do an elk hunt, if that's okay with you. And I go, sure, tell me more about it. Anyways, it worked out that he actually came in uh, two days before the season, and uh, we went up there, and opening morning, my daughter, Carrie, and her husband, John, and me and Virgil, and the opening morning, I said, well, Virgil, I'm going to take you down to my walls which is where I normally had. I'm taking over a dozen elk down this area. It's probably half mile down a mountain. So we went down, we hiked down there, and normally I'll jump deer or elk or grouse. I saw nothing. And we get all the way down there. I'm thinking, you know, oh my gosh, what's going on here? And we get all the way down to, like, we had to skirt the wind. We got down below the walls and worked our way back up, and I'm showing the walls, and all of a sudden there's all this stomping and going on upwind, thank goodness. You know, it's just up the creek where there's another set of walls, and all of a sudden I see these cow up running back and forth. I thought, well, they win this, and then they can't because the wind's coming at us. So well, there was a bunch of them. They were just running back and forth about 45, 50 yards away in the tag holder. So I had them go behind this big old log. I said, just sit down there and take a spot. I'm going to get behind this tree 15, 80 yards behind you. So I got back there, and I bugled, and I heard a bugle way up this ravine. But these elk were right in front of me. I'm going, well, this is going to be interesting. And so I bugled again, and I had a raghorn, this 4x4, ran right up in front of Virgil about 10, 15 yards. This is like 7.30 in the morning. We just got down there and bugled right in his face, and he's calm and collected. And I'm trying to hide behind this tree and act like I'm a cow, so I start cow calling behind me. And he's looking around. There's nothing but this tree, and he hears this cow. And he starts to turn and walks away, and I cow called again. He stopped, and I saw Virgil shoot, and I heard the arrow tick. 
I thought he missed. I thought he, he had a deflection. And this thing ran off. A cow called again and stopped about 40 yards away, right down by the walls. And I'm sitting there for about less than 30 seconds, and he gets up. Virgil, he starts walking back to me, and I just go, I go, you know, shrug my shoulders. What, what, what? And he just goes, thumbs up, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> I go, okay. So he also did, he starts shaking. So we stopped and made some coffee. And I said, you want something? He goes, no, no, no. He says, we just, so I think I made a good shot. I said, well, I thought you missed. He said, I did hit a branch, but it, it looked good. And so we started moving over to the spot after about 20 minutes, couldn't stand any longer. And there was no more noise. I didn't hear him run off. So we go back over there to where he shot. No arrow, no blood, no hair. Started falling. I, I go down. I said, there's a drop right in this root. And he goes, oh, my God. I see. He goes, that is, that it? And I look up. There he is, dead, right in, right in the middle of the swallow section. <laughs> so that was the opening morning. Now, the rest of the season didn't go so well for anybody else. I mean, there were some misses. I didn't have any shots. But... Uh, that was basically all I did, and and for last year until this next year when we all went Havelina. in, we went javelina hunting, and actually had a great time. And it's another hunt that a bunch of us PBS members get together, and we hunt a private ranch outside of Marfa, and uh, we have run of the whole twenty-seven thousand acres. They're, they mainly they guide for, believe it or not, elk and weird animals like adax. Mule deer is their biggest one, and then also blue grouse. But this year there was no blue grouse. But before that, I actually went down with Don Thomas, and we went down to hunt Mern's quail with him in Patagonia, Arizona. And lucky we, there was a really bad year, but him and I both pulled one out of one, one covey on the third day, so I got my first Mern's quail. But that was about it. That's all I did. Um, I never had a chance. I didn't draw any tags, so that was the year. No complaints. I still got all that elk beat. But I want to tell you the other thing too is that after we got done, we got back. The journalist, Julie Benzoni from Paris, she showed up with Sophie, and I can't even spell her last name. It's like ZS and 12 letters, something like that. And they come and spend five days, or excuse me, three days with Rob and I at a ranch and Virgil. And they spent the first two days, we did filming and interviews, refilming, more interviews, redoing this, more filming, filming, filming. On the third day, we drove up to Idaho City and had a chance to actually cross the creek, did more filming, and we had some fun. We played around a lot. I got a good picture of Sophie riding my skateboard and taking film with us on our property. And Oh, they were they were doing crazy things, like blindfold with an apple in the head and trying to sh- pretend they were shooting each other. It went very well. We had a really, really good time. And uh, Rob and I just signed off our model releases here about two or three weeks ago, so it's going to start showing. But it was a it was a wild time, and he got a free ride over here. Uh, a lot of fun with these these girls. They were just absolutely fabulous and lots of fun. But the the biggest part was why they were there, and I didn't know this. Like the second day we were doing this filming, Julie says Virgil has something for you, which is very special, and I hope you like it. And I'm going, he's I've been with him the last twelve days. So what you know? What's he got? He went back in the bedroom, and they had, they had brought it over with them. But he had a box, right? I'm going, what is this? So I open it up, there's a bow case, and I slide this take-down longbow out. And he says, it took me eight months to find this wood for this bow I wanted to build you. He said, I knew you were born in Wahiwa, Hawaii. So he found a guy that procured curly mango for the limb laminations and koa for the handle within 12 miles of the house I was born in and gave me this longbow. Mm, And it's stunning. It's like... It's like, really? And so I said, don't expect me to shoot this on this elk hunt, okay? <laughs> Since I got, you know, I really I really have to learn it. And I didn't do it. And when I went back in January, I went back for the rabbit hunt in France, which is an annual event with a friend of mine, Xavier. Uh, long story, but Robin went with me. And we, uh, we were able to actually spend some time with, uh, I was given honorary membership in both the French Federation of Bowhunters and the, the European Federation of Bowhunters, sporting whatever they call their group. 
So we had a special dinner at the Hunt Museum in Paris, and my friend Vincent, who's a very powerful man in the military in France, gave Robin a private tour of that, and then we had the seven-course meal. It was a very private setting inside the museum, and then we went out and we, uh, we chased some wild boar. I didn't get one. Chased rabbits. I didn't get one, but I had a great time. So, and then the Havilene Hunt in spring, so it was actually a pretty full year. I oh, didn't do my white time. fishing, but it was a great time. Now I'm just curious as to what's going to happen now. But So we all know what uh, the, what we've all done last year and, and aspirations. There's some A lot of us have some pretty interesting hunts planned for this year. And uh, Kevin, do you have something going on? I don't have anything interesting other than Havilene hunting in Texas and whitetails in Illinois. And I'm going down to the uh, uh, PBS group bow hunt in Kentucky. I think it's the second weekend of second week of October, something like that. That place is overrun with deer, the land between the lakes. Although I still manage to come home without one once in a while, <laughs> but nothing, nothing really spectacular. Well, you and I are planning that hog hunt, so stuff that's comfortable. Yeah, we'll be doing good. I love going to Texas in February. It's a good time to get out of Illinois, but any time's a good time to get out of Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> you need to make it permanent. I know, you need I know. like move. <laughs> Brian, tell me what you've got. Actually, I've got a really neat year going on. Uh, I was listening to the Fred Bear Fields Note podcast, and the session that was on was about the 1959 Little Delt Hunt with Glenn and Fred and a number of other bow hunters. And it just clicked that I'm like, this is the 60th anniversary of that hunt, and it'd be really cool to go back to Alaska on our moose hunt and go with vintage bear gear and all the all the vintage gear and so i called jim and i'm like hey because i normally hunt with a longbow in alaska and i'm like jim what do you think about the idea of going up there with vintage bear equipment and commemorating the the 1959 little delta hunt and it took jim about two seconds he's like i'm in and so we just started planning this. We just started planning this hunt. Yeah, that's the whole and time, uh, what's been really neat is the entire traditional community has kind of rallied around it, and they've wanted to be part of that adventure. And so we've got a lot of cool stuff that we're gonna talk about. Some take of that. I know I saw you. You had all kinds of. I mean, man, there's there's so much stuff. So Jim and I both got um, original '59 uh, Bear Kodiaks. You know, and uh, actually hooked up with, you know, Three Rivers Archery to get the, the feathers. So got natural barred turkey feathers. And, and what what we wanted to do was replicate Fred Bear's arrows. And he shot two hen feathers, natural barred turkey feathers, and then a yellow dyed natural barred turkey feather for the cock feather. And so we hooked up with Three Rivers to get those feathers. And then we actually hooked up with Suzanne St. Charles to have the St. Charles connection to have her make the arrows. And originally she didn't want to do it because she didn't like the all white shafts that Fred used and all that. And I told her what we were doing, that it was a tribute to her father and to, and to Fred. And she said, like, all right, I'll do it. And now she's super excited about it. I mean, she donated those arrows, you know, for the hunt. We've got... Um, and yeah, we've got all kinds of stuff. Actually, Jay St. Charles sent a note to me and said, hey, I've got uh, some binoculars that used to be Bud Gray's, and he shot the world record doll sheep in 58 with, with those binoculars. He gave those binoculars to Glenn St. Charles in 59, 
and then Glenn used them for 30 years after that. So, you know, we're going to have those. We've got Fred Bear, you know, the camel that he used. Um, I mean, we just have a bunch of neat stuff. Kevin Dice at the Compton shoot here recently gave me a coin, a medallion, that Art Young actually handed out to kids at the 1934 World's Fair mm-hmm. in Chicago. They're very and, rare. Yeah, and so that was given to him by Gene Hopkins when Don was going through cancer mm-hmm. and as, as a kind of a good luck token. And now she's doing great. And so we just have a lot of neat stuff that has been donated. Dale donated some vintage 57 bear razor heads. Wade Phillips did. I met him at Compton. Talked to Dick and Carol Mock at Pope and Young. Just some really neat stuff rallying around this hunt. So Jim and I are going to be up there this uh, September. And if we can get a couple moose, that'd be really <laughs> that'd be really special. No, but it doesn't matter. It's going to be a great hunt. Yeah, oh, yeah it's going to be. It's just, be it's just going to be fun. Right, like, kind of like what Brian it. said, like how everyone's rallying around. In the, we put a lot of research also into, I guess, this hunt. To try to get as much vintage stuff that would... Uh, what was actually used on the hunt and try to see if we can get our hands on that type of stuff. And we pretty much, people, here, here's this, I have this. Or yeah. another person's like, people we may not even know that well. well I know, like, so you got a hat and then uh, yeah. a red plaid shirt. And, we got the shirts, we, I've yeah. got the camo jacket. And, that, yeah. and that, kind of, that came from John Cabisa, who has all this stuff. And he was gracious enough to invite Brian and myself over one day to his home. And he has... Um, all the original slides from that 1958 and 59 hunt that, and stuff that no one's ever seen before. And he shared all that with Brian and myself. Stuff that no one's ever seen. The iconic photo of the bridge across that river. Step-by-step right. step how they built it. Pictures around camp. Um, just all that stuff that no one's ever seen. And he shared that with us. So that gave us a lot of intel on what, you know, things that we wanted for the hunt or Wow, you know, a lot of people never had any idea this took place, so it's kind of neat. Well, our history and our heritage is very important, yeah. so this is this is quite interesting, especially after sixty years. It's yeah. to bring that back and put that in people's faces and say, "This is the way it really was. This right. was the start of it." I think it's a fabulous thing what you two are doing. Yeah, and it's not about Jim or I. No, it, not it's at all. about a tribute to Fred and Glenn. You know, and Glenn found the Little Delta. Yeah. And uh, it's just kind of commemorating, you know, that hunt and those two gentlemen. And they are part of our heritage and part of our history. And, you know, for the folks that are getting into traditional bow hunting, I, I really hope they take the time to read about the history. Because that's, at the end of the day, those were two pioneers that paved the way for a lot of us. So Jim and I are going to go on the moose hunt. And then I'll do the whitetail uh, pretty much in southeast Ohio. <laughs> And then I'm actually going to hook up with Ben Penny from PBS, and we're going to do a Kodiak Sitka Blacktail drop camp. And he's got a Jet Ranger that we're actually going to fly to Kodiak, and then we're going to just have a remote adventure. So it's great. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Dale, what's on your list? Well, I, I mentioned earlier that I've got another elk hunt in Colorado with Denny Sturgis, and uh, so that's early September. Our deer season in Indiana doesn't open until October 1st, so this is going to work out really well for me to get back on my farm. Uh, I've been managing that for a number of years for good bucks, and we always have a nice big one running around. So hopefully him and I will get together this fall, and I'll end up putting him in a barn. But uh, after that, 
Deer hunting, then um, I've got a place down in Florida now, so I'll be chasing pigs down there and turkeys and whitetails, so I've so got a full place. An invite would be kind of nice. Guys? You know? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when am I going to come down yeah. and visit you? Why are we going down there? Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'll come for the pigs. <laughs> I'm actually more dangerous on a golf Buddy? course than I yeah. in the woods. Well, you're all invited. How about that? Okay, well, we'll see what happens. So we'll see what goes on, but I'm... I'm I'm excited about this year. I, this uh, good elk hunting uh, after last year being so successful. I said I'm just hoping something happens. But if it doesn't, I'm going out there with one of my good hunting buddies, and it'll be it'll be like this fishing trip. We laugh, yeah. we joke with each other, we have a good time, we share the experience. You know, not one person is catching all the fish. We kind of rotate through that, and everybody especially helps. Kevin Barr. Yeah, I mean, I don't. <laughs> Well, he's definitely, a, I think he's more of an anti-fisherman. Yeah. I'm a wizard with yeah. a net. I mean, I had a Catch big salmon. Who's I mean, he's a like sick pushes salmon. the net. I feel dressing. I feel judge him out in the water, so I don't damage this species before I knock him off the hook. There you go. Uh, but, uh, no, this has been great. I'm looking forward to this fall, and hopefully next year we'll be back in the same boat again. But uh, that would be awesome. That would be a great time again to look forward to. So yes, it will. That'll, that'll take care of me right through. Uh, Florida has a long hunting season, so you can hunt small game down there until into March. Coincidentally, Illinois has a long winter with nothing. Hell, <laughs> <laughs> oh, in Idaho too. Uh, what a coincidence! So, Jim, we already know about that hunt. What did you? What else do you have planned? Um, after the moose hunt, um, obviously, I'll just be hunting whitetails near my home and fall turkeys. You know, you got good hunting around your place too. Yeah, you? I'm pretty fortunate to have really good. You know, in that part of Michigan, we have really good deer hunting. Um, I've got access to pretty good hunting. That's kind of really that is my passion is hunting whitetails. So, um, well, it could be worse. Yeah, it could be. But, but uh, really, yeah, that's a, <laughs> you need another goat tag though. Well, yeah, that'd be nice too. <laughs> another mountain goat tag would be perfect. Speaking of goats, what do you got planned for this fall? Yeah, speaking of goats, anyway. (laughs) Well, as you well know, I was supposed to be after muskox above the Arctic Circle up in Nunavut last year, and then uh, they had an early freeze, and all the guides took off to go hunt caribou. And so this is like 20 days before the hunt's supposed to start. He calls and says, they're gone, and I got to postpone this till the first week next year. And I'm going, okay, we can do that. Anyways, it got to the point to where... Nothing's happening, and got a hold of uh, Jay Osteen over at uh, Bohunny Safari Consultants and said, you know what, we need to fix this. We need to find out what's going on. And so it was me and uh, Pete McCain who built my log home, the guy that I've hunted with quite a bit in British Columbia, and Nick Matthews and Pete's girlfriend and myself, the four of us were supposed to go. So anyways, we got a conference call with all all of us, and including Jay Osteen, and Jay's kind of hee-hawed, hee-hawed, all this other stuff. He says, well, the outfitter said that he doesn't feel this is a good year to go, he said, because they've been seeing a lot less uh, muskox. He said, not that they're gone, but they're not where they're supposed to be, and they don't know where they're at. So he said that he was willing to refund all of our money, which we said, absolutely, we'll wait and see. So he refunded that, he's actually paying back all the lost airfare and the whole thing. So that was kind of good because after 32 years of applying in Idaho, I drew a goat permit for Idaho. And um, it was one of those things I got really happy and I realized, oh my gosh, I got to get ready for this hunt because it's going to be brutal. (laughs) Last time I hunted goats was 24 years ago. So I've actually canceled... I don't have any plans to hunt elk since the season will open August 30th. I expect to be up a mountain and chasing a goat. I have two and a half months to try and find one and shoot one. So I plan on I'm looking forward to it. It's a little, 
it's a little intimidating being much older than I was. You know, now I'm 62. It's like, okay, and I've had a lot of friends and, and good people that really wanted to come and hunt. But as you all know, Jim, is that it's, it's a very personal thing. So I really want to do it on my own. I don't mind taking someone up when I'm scouting and all that. But I think that I really want to hunt alone. And I'll know more as it gets closer. I plan on, uh, I have a friend, Jerry Chalister from the Air Force, that he's uh, hopefully will be flying me over here in the next couple of weeks. We're going to fly the unit. And it's not that far from my house, about a two and a half hour drive. So if I get lucky and I'm able to get a goat down, then I will hunt elk with my daughter and her husband at the end of September. Uh, and other than that, the only thing I really have going is that Mike Harrison, Jason Harrison of Kuyu, uh, who's passed away now, but his dad was trying to put together a hunt that four or five of us are going to go out to Santa Cruz Island, way off the coast of California, out by L.A., and hunt deer and stay in a lodge. And they want to film it and make it something. He wants to do a special hunt every year. And we'll see how it goes. So far, it's, it's a good thing um, that it's a go. I don't know. The nice thing is, is that where he wants us to fly into is 14 miles from my condo down there in Seal Beach. So I'll be there anyway, surfing. And that's all I have planned besides some upland bird hunting and hopefully some duck and geese the year. And it's pretty full. So I'm really, in a way, I'm really happy that the muskox fell through. Uh, gives me a big budget for hunting for the bony for the next year or two. And I'm going to wait for Greenland to open up when they allow traditional weapons. Right now, they don't. So that's pretty much my forget, what I've got planned. Don't forget javelinas and hogs in Texas. That's right. We'll be doing that, and I'm driving down in a week, so it'll be good. Bring so, lots of arrows. So it sounds like we all have something planned. Um, I guess we're going to about ready to wrap up, but I, there's one more thing. I said I'd like to go through and find out. You know, everybody's always curious about our gear, what we hunt with, and things like that. And so not only your bows and your arrows, but uh, other gear, especially gear, boots. What do you like, Kevin? What are your what what equipment do you use? Mm. I use a Robertson takedown overdrive longbow and wood arrows. I've never shot anything other than wood arrows except for when I first started. So many years ago I shot aluminum, but wood arrows, tough head, broad heads. They're easy to sharpen. They're sharp right out of the pack. They get the job done when I do my part. Um, I've let the bow down before, but the bow's never let me down. So I use a bison gear pack most of the time. Although it's a little too big and it holds too much stuff, so I carry too much stuff. <laughs> that is a problem. I remember the days when you got out of the truck with a pocket full of tree steps and headed out to the woods, and now it's like I can't go 100 yards without food and water and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> Even though I could hear cars honking and dogs barking, and it's not exactly a wilderness experience in Illinois, but... I carry as much as I can, and uh, I have discovered that that little loop that you hang your pack with is the strongest material known to man, because <laughs> it's never it's never frayed or anything, and I put a lot of junk in that pack. Uh, but, uh, most of the time, I shoot uh, arrows that Rick Stillman made for me, because he's a A&P airline mechanic, and he's just totally anal about everything being perfect and so his arrows are perfect and i'll go through 500 arrows before i get a dozen straight ones and he's like i'll take care of that I'm like okay you're the man <laughs> so most of the time when i shoot something it's with one of rick's arrows and as far as hunting clothes i use some kind of a hodgepodge of stuff i got some kuyu gear that's really light nice and versatile but not for really cold weather I still got some old school King of the Mountain stuff, a couple Sitka things, but I don't really use a whole lot of it. But mainly Kuyu, plus it looks cool. But <laughs> And it's cheaper than a lot of that other stuff, or more economical, should I say. But as far as hunting boots, years and years ago, I, I broke my leg out in the woods, and I used to wear knee-high 
lacrosse rubber boots because that's what everybody had to wear rubber boots so the deer wouldn't smell you but uh ever since i've had that bad leg i just use ankle eye hiking boots and if they smell me they smell me i'm not too worried about it at this stage of the game it's not like i need to get a deer but i need to go hunting huh. sounds good brian yeah, for me, like when I go to Alaska, I normally like to take a longbow. And, you know, just because I feel they're more durable and you can use them as a walking stick, crossing a river, whatever, and you don't have to worry about it. This year, you know, as I talked about, we're going to go with the 59 Bear Kodiak. So it'll be a little different. But I, I like shooting a variety of bows. You know, I've got probably 150 bows. And, um, but there's something about a bear takedown that I really enjoy. So anyway, that's, you know, from a, from a bow standpoint, I just like shooting a different bow every year. And that's kind of, kind of my style. I've always shot wood arrows. Sherwood Shaft makes some of the best wood arrows, I think, in the business. And so I shoot Sherwood Shafts. And then, you know, I've shot Eclipse uh, 145 grain broadheads for a number of years. So I typically use those. And uh, in terms of hunting clothing, I'm a big Kuyu fan. People have called me Kuyu Ken, but yeah, I think you have about everything they make in yeah. all the colors. But I, yeah, <laughs> the I, patterns and the I think they, Kuyu I think they make great stuff. They, they you know, have, it's, it's fantastic. It's stuff. you know when you're in Alaska and you've got to watch weight, that is great gear to have. And yeah, the one thing I really like that they make <clears> is the Chugach rain gear. I mean, it's lightweight and it. Actually, when it's raining, it gets better. So I, I use a lot of Kuyu for wilderness hunts. When I whitetail hunt, um, especially in the late season, actually Sitka Fanatic gear is pretty good stuff. So I use that. And I've got King of the Mountain as well that I've used. But um, that's kind of the outfit I use. Good. Dale. Well, I know I mentioned it before, but I'm uh, shooting our DOS recurve. This will be the fifth year. Carbon, traditional-only arrows. Uh, I'd like to load mine up pretty heavy. I have a 650-grain arrow <clears throat> for a 55-pound bow, but I load up 200 grains on the front end, and I've had excellent success with that. you pushing that right through every animal, no problem at all. Um, I'm a little bit different when it comes to clothing. I'm trying to get back to what it was in the 70s when we went hunting. Like Kevin mentioned, we didn't carry all this stuff around. I basically went out there with an apple in my pocket and a, and a knife. How we survived back then, I have no idea. <laughs> but I, I pretty much have a uh, Safari Tough Side quiver with that little pouch. And i got to have my cell phone because I hunt alone a lot. If something happens, i got to be able to call somebody. And I'll put a, a you know, snack bar in there or a sandwich if I'm going to try to make it. And I've been trying to get back to doing less on my back so it's a good it's a good yeah. idea because yeah. the bigger pack the more crap you take i like right. to i like to take my cell phone and take pictures of deer and stuff and then mm. tag guys that are still working say well you're working <laughs> this is what i'm doing <laughs> <laughs> yeah um the clothing is just first light kuyu i mean i I even have my original top and bottom from 1972 that I bought at the surplus store. Yeah. I got some old tree bark stuff. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how I ever fit in it. But. I'm surprised it still fits. But it does. <laughs> I wore it at least once out there. And same thing with shoes. I, I'm not a big fan. I have knee high. I have little ankle boots I wear. I mean, I'm breaking in a new pair of these Keen that I bought, and they're they're 
but seem to be working really good here out in this uh, boat with all the water getting the back. So yeah. I'm just trying to keep it simple, simple, simple. So good choices, Jim. Just give me a well, rundown, man. I pretty much always have hunted with bear archery equipment. My go-to bow is always my A-handle or a B-handle takedown. I always have shot wood arrows. Recently, I've been building them myself with Sherwood shafts. Always have used the uh, original bear razors, the glue-on razors for everything. Yeah. As for clothing, I've always worn King of the Mountain. That's my go-to stuff. Um, recently, I've been buying more and more Kuyu gear. Uh, Brian's kind of convincing me, <laughs> you know, obviously packing like coming to Alaska. And I will say oh, that yes. I've tried a lot of rain gear on various hunts, and Kuyu is the only rain gear so far that hasn't failed me. And it, I'll agree with that. It really does. It's the best rain gear I've ever owned. Yes. I it, threw all the other stuff away. Right, and it, and it is that good. So, yeah, so it's King of the Mountain and Bear Archery stuff. That's what I've always used. And um, footwear, I'll wear knee-high boots early season you know the rubber boots but uh kind of what kevin was saying honestly it doesn't make a difference no. they're going to smell you they're going to smell you those rubber boots are for crossing a wet area it, you know you just it doesn't matter you know you i have to agree but uh yeah i just try to keep everything pretty much basic but i do wear king of the mountain wool because even if it is raining and i'm out there i'm staying warm mm -hmm. yeah and i'm talking white tails you know obviously but if i know it's raining i'm wearing that kuyu rain gear and i'm staying dry well, I will agree with you on tree stand when it's cold. Yeah, King of the Mountains is better than Kuyu. Kuyu is not designed for that. It's actually, well, yeah, it's exactly. It's not designed for hunting. It's for active hunting. For active, right, right. Yeah. If I'm going to sit all day I long and it's going to be freezing cold, oh yeah, or if it's going to be inclement weather and I'm going to sit all day long in my day pack, I will have the Kuyu rain gear in case it's going to start yeah. raining. But I'm wearing wool. Yeah, and I've always, even if it's a wool shirt underneath whatever I'm wearing. Just something about wool, you know, and I kind of like what Dale said. I try to just keep it simple and not overthink it. Just go out there and have fun. <laughs> that's what it's that's all about. It. That's fun. what it's about. Don't yeah. overthink it. Well, my gear, um, like Brian, I've got more bows than I can count. They're everywhere. And um, from a lot of different people that I've shot over the last 35, 40 years, I pretty much stuck in the last 15 years or so with uh, the takedown longbows by Black Widow, uh, mainly because they shoot very well for me. And uh, they made me a new one a couple of years ago with the Toby grip. It's uh, really beautiful. It's uh, ebony and blonde. But I like a longbow. I shoot a 56 pound. I've always shot tapered cedar arrows. Uh, the last 13 dozen I just finished, I got from Dale at Three Rivers that they're done. But I just ordered um, three dozen for the new bow that I got from Bear Archery and for uh, the one that Virgil made for me since they don't handle my higher spine. So I've gone down to 50, 55 pound, which they shoot, they'll shoot very well out of those two bows. So I'll be building those very shortly. Um, I always use a strap-on quiver from Great Northern, as far as I'm concerned, it's the, the best bow quiver on the, on the market. Uh, I've shot them for probably 20 years. I will always shoot those. Uh, nothing else weighs that 11 ounces that's that, that well. Clothing gear like you, I own everything. King of the Mountain, Sleeping Indian, old World War II Army surplus, some stuff I don't wear. But if, if, I'm like, if you're like me, you've kept all this stuff. You have all this gear, so every time you open that, you go, what am I still doing with this? You know, I don't exactly. wear 99% of this. I also wear a lot of uh, of the Asbel wool. I really like that quite. I have that as well. I, 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 I like have probably it. five, six you know, different shirts, uh, hooded and unhooded, and I really like that stuff. It's it's very good, and I still like wool, but like for this goat hunt, 
as you well know, everything's light, and I'm I'm a Kuyu fan all the way through. I wasn't in the beginning. I wasn't really sure about it. It's some of the finest hunting gear I've ever had, but it's not for super cold weather when you're sitting. No. But it is great for moving, and so when I go on this goat hunt, it's all Kuyu gear because it's super lightweight and it's warm. Their down is fantastic, and I'll use that. As for footwear, you know, everything goes. I like Merrill's for a lot of elk hunting. I've hunted with many different stuff. I still keep uh, Schnee's for up here in Alaska. They're a little bit heavy, but they're great boots for up here. And then Jim Wingem just sent me uh, three pairs of his Kenetrek boots. Because I went to order a pair, and he said, well, here, try these two, and we'll try that and see how it works out. Um, I used to use Basque footwear because they're great for climbing, but they get hard. You have to keep them oiled. And so I'm going to give Countrek a good shot. I used to wear Danners, but uh, they're not made the same quality they used to be. But uh, that's pretty much my gear. As for a pack, I still like the uh, the Bison gear pack, but it is heavy. I'm going yeah, to order a new Kuyu pack because super lightweight, very efficient for this hunt. And also a new tent. I have some really nice four-season tents, but they're quite heavy. And Kuyu's got this excellent tent that is a storm shelter. And I'm going to probably end up picking one up for this goat hunt and hopefully be using it again. But that's pretty much my gear. Like you said, I'm trying to simplify things too, but it's kind of hard. Because normally when I go out elk hunting, I, I plan on spending the night out. So I'll load up my pack with water, food. I have a you know, water purifier. I always take an emergency shelter of some sort. And um, I always carry a jet boil and, just, and soup and things like that just in case. Because there's a lot of times I don't come home at night. And I won't come back to camp. And I will spend the night out and I will hunt my way back in the morning and then you know, re repack to go out. So that's basically my gear. I think that's why I carry so much junk with me when I go whitetail hunting 100 yards from my truck is that <laughs> the first time I came to Alaska it was made aware I mean I was brought to awareness that you should take everything you need to survive a night right. out there on your own just in case and it I always has do. never happened but and first I got the stuff if it does good idea gentlemen it's been wonderful talking with you today and um, we're going to wrap this all up a lot of people want to know what's going on I'm hoping that we can share a little piece of our life with them. So I appreciate all your time. Uh, we would like to thank all of our listeners and let you know that this is being brought to you by Three Rivers Archery. They're longbow and recurve experts. Homer Ocean Charters, your source if you want to hunt blacktail deer or black bear or fishing or other things in Homer, Alaska. Give my friend Rourke Brown a call at Homer Ocean Charters. Uh, also to Kuyu, it's the leader in mountain hunting gear. Uh, they're not here right now, but we're all wearing it. <laughs> it's been it's been cold. And also by Traditional Bowhunter Magazine, the number one magazine for the traditional bowhunter. Thank you, gentlemen. It's been really great, and we'll do this again. All right, thanks, right, TJ. Thanks. thanks. We hope you enjoyed this Campfire Chat podcast. Thanks for joining us. Please subscribe to this podcast so you won't miss the next one and visit our website www.tradbow.com for great articles, tips, and lots more of traditional bow hunter magazines.